Hey everyone, welcome to What Are You Watching? I'm Alex Withrow with another solo mini-sode here. Our next full episode, it's going to be about our favorite films from 2011. That's going to be on next week. It's been a decade since what is definitely one of the best film years ever, so it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about that, even though it's hard to believe that was actually 10 years ago. But today, I thought it'd be fun to touch base on a new film, Spencer, in which Kristen Stewart plays Princess Diana in a truly, truly mesmerizing performance. I loved her in this, and I just learned that Spencer is still in a few theaters, not many. It has come and gone kind of quickly, but it's now available to stream anywhere, just right in your home. You're going to have to fork out 20 bucks to see it, but I I had no idea this movie was already streaming, so it's kind of cool to be able to talk about a new movie that everyone can see right now, if you want. And of course, there's no spoilers in this episode, but you know, right up front, if there's a reason to see Spencer, it is Kristen Stewart. I cannot give enough praise to how effective she is in this movie. You know, honestly, in some ways, Princess Diana feels like an unwinnable role because it's bound to be scrutinized so much. It's like no one wants to host the Oscars anymore because they're going to catch so much shit. So when I heard Stuart was going to play Diana, my first thought was I was really surprised that she would even want to. And shortly into my first viewing of Spencer, it all kind of clicked that this really is not a stuffy royal family exercise. That family is a part of the film, certainly, but they're very much a secondary aspect of it. In essence, Spencer is an art house horror film about a woman trapped in a castle with people she hates and who presumably hate her, and she's desperately trying to survive, all while trying to keep her sanity and be a good mother. So when I was watching the movie and I was seeing the way director Pablo Lorraine had organized it, the tone of it honestly felt more like The Shining than The Crown. So it's like this role, whether or not the character name is Princess Diana, it allows Stuart to very convincingly play a woman that is right there on the edge. Of course, the fact that she's Princess Diana matters greatly in the movie, but to me, this movie was much more so about a mother in great peril in a really tight amount of time. And when I'm talking about convincingly, I'm not saying this to be hyperbolic because I love this actor perhaps more than any, but this performance reminded me of the inherent preparation that Montgomery Clift put into his best roles. And Clift was so meticulous in his preparation, planning out every inflection of every word, every hand movement, every facial tick. So that's all in his head, and he's really, really got this planned out to the letter. But then he would show up on the day, and that rigidness would not be present in his performances because, I don't know, he had just prepared so much it was within him so he could kind of do whatever the hell he wanted to once the cameras were rolling. All this to say, I'm not sure what Kristen Stewart did to prepare for this role, but It is complete character immersion, and everything feels thought out, yet spontaneous. It felt like she practiced everything meticulously, but when you watch her in the movie, it's like she's doing and saying everything for the first time, and Christ, it's a really good performance, and and Kristen Stewart is a fantastic actor. I'll get more into that in a bit, 
she's definitely going to be nominated for this. And it's just going to be a great showing in this category this year. We're going to have Gaga in there for Gucci, Nicole probably for playing Lucy, K-Stu for Princess Di. It's, it's going to be stacked. It's great. But to slow up just a little bit here, because I haven't even described what the hell the movie's about. So <laughs> the first thing you see in the movie is actually one of the things I loved most about it. And that was a title card announcing Spencer as a fable from a true tragedy. I love that word choice. When the words based on a true story are used to sell a movie, it's it's usually a good indication that a lot of what you're about to watch is complete and utter bullshit that never happened. But announcing right away up front that this movie is a fable of something true, it unburdens the movie and honestly, particularly Stuart from having to do such a rigid interpretation of things that may or may not have happened in real life. So the whole of Spencer takes place over the three days surrounding Christmas, 1991, with the royal family uh, enjoying, to put it sarcastically, the holidays in this fucking massive castle that I love how they keep commenting how cold it is, and Diana's so cold, but they won't turn up the heat, and it's like, Jesus, people. Diana is very clearly the outcast. She shows up by herself. She's late. She and Charles are barely speaking, but when they do, it's intense as hell and really fun to watch. The queen is shown in really careful, measured glances. She only says like one or two lines and they hit really hard because really the majority of the movie is Diana trying to spend time with her children or trying to remain sane with the help of some staff members, and that's about it. Nowhere in the movie is there someone, you know, like sitting off in a corner, furiously taking notes about every interaction. It's just, it's like unless you were in those rooms, no one has any actual, factual knowledge about what was said between these people, under what circumstances, in what tone, on and on. Spencer is more like a mindfuck, dreamlike approach to Princess Diana's headspace during this time. It isn't claiming to be historical fact, and I really appreciated that about the movie. That's all. <laughs> I mentioned some of the staff before that Diana relies on, and oh my God, what a cast. You know, Timothy Spall, he looks like he's dropped about 100 pounds. He looks great. He plays a real asshole in the movie, but that's okay. You know, we love him. Sean Harris, he's the head chef who plays a crucial role in the film. Very earnest, very measured, I really, really appreciated him here. He was great as King Arthur and the Green Knight earlier this year as well. And then the main supporting highlight here is Sally Hawkins, who plays an old friend of Diana's and is now responsible for dressing Diana. It's like, yeah, I love there's a lot of emphasis put on Diana's outfits in the movie because they're all chosen and labeled. Not like this one outfit will be worn today. It's wear this outfit at this exact time for this exact amount of time and then change again like eight times throughout the day. Anyway, God, I love Sally Hawkins. I'm a big fan of Mike Lee's films and she's a great part of his ensemble, most notably in Happy Go Lucky from 2008, which she's just stunning in. And, and then remember when she was married to Andrew Dice Clay in Blue Jasmine <laughs> and it worked. It was so strange. She and Stuart are remarkable in Spencer, though. They have genuine friendship chemistry that is it's just a joy to watch them together. Pablo Lorraine, he's a Chilean director who's made a lot of movies and a lot of shows, but sadly 
The only thing of his I've seen so far is Jackie from 2016, in which Natalie Portman played Jackie Kennedy in the days following JFK's assassination. And to be totally honest, based on Jackie, I was a little nervous about Spencer because I thought Portman was remarkable in Jackie, but the movie as a whole didn't really connect for me. And I got what Lorraine was going for with it. And I think Spencer as a whole is a far more complete film. It's still weird as shit. Don't let me undersell that. Like Spencer is not the crown. I've I've only seen a few episodes of The Crown, but like most streaming shows, it relies almost exclusively on dialogue and dialogue to move its story forward, and Lorraine really isn't interested in that. Spencer doesn't have a lot of dialogue. Kristen Stewart doesn't honestly speak that much, so instead of long-winded speeches, you get impactful glances at a dinner table or sobs on a bathroom floor. It's Again, I think it's good to be clear about Spencer's kind of art house European sensibilities. And it looks stunning. The cinematography is remarkable. It was shot by Claire Mathon, who lensed Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which was certainly one of the best looking movies of the last few years. Just everything about Spencer, the architecture, production design, costumes, all that stuff. It's lavish. It's great. It's a really fun movie to watch and look at. It's a really fun movie to listen to. Johnny Greenwood does the score. Damn, he's so incredibly emotive and perfectly appropriate with the material that he chooses to score. And, you know, Stuart, she really doesn't say a lot as Princess Diana. And more so than anything, the score is really used to help us, you know, guide us along. It isn't forced or anything. It's just, it's perfect. Greenwood really can't do any wrong in this regard. And I can't wait to hear what he does in The Power of the Dog, which is going to be out soon. I don't know if the impact of Spencer will depend on how interested the viewer is already in the royal family. I'm not interested or disinterested. I kind of just, I know the very cursory basic level knowledge about them, but I don't investigate them or, you know, seek out books or the TV shows or the movies or anything like that. So, okay, I wasn't even going to talk about this. I'll tell you how much, how little I know about this family. The whole, Jesus, the whole time I'm watching Spencer for the first time, I'm in the theater. They say the name Spencer, just stay with me here. Okay, please. They say the name Spencer a few times, but I didn't really like (laughs) know what that meant in the context of the movie. So my only major criticism of the movie when I was done was going to be that I didn't really get the title. Like they didn't really explain it well enough and I didn't understand. So now most people are like shaking their heads because they are they would have already known that that is Princess Diana's main name, which I was clearly woefully unaware of. So that's not a criticism I have of the movie anymore. Makes pretty good sense in context. Point being, <laughs> I don't really know much about the royal family and if you are seeing Spencer to seek out like another great historical document of what this family's all about. Uh, I don't think this movie is pretending to be that. Again, this thing is a fable, and it puts us in Diana's very tortured mindset really well. I'm, I just viewed this more as a movie about one woman's emotional hell, all while trying to be a good mom. 
Speaking of Kristen Stewart, who is not a mother in real life, but you certainly could not tell that here, she is so natural with those actors playing William and Harry. I mean, there are times in this movie when Stewart is unrecognizable. It's it's a combination of the hair and the clothes, because sometimes she's wearing just exactly what Diana wore in a few, you know, photographs. But it's a combination of Stewart looking so much like Diana and so unlike Kristen Stewart that it's so easy to forget that it's her in there. And I love Stewart, but she's never done anything like this. Really few modern actors have. And another thing I wanted to point out that a lot of movies like this rely on, movies in which a person is in this emotional hell and trying to not even like escape it, you're they're just forced to live in it so they don't have a choice. Usually substances are brought into the fold at some point or there's some sort of Vice, and I'm not saying Princess Diana, as depicted in this film, is free of vice, but there's no, you know, there's no chain smoking anywhere. There's no alcohol. She doesn't ever have a drink in her hand. There's no alcohol use. I mean, there's just, there's no crutch. There's no crutch for the actor to rely on and hide behind. And it's a very emotionally naked performance in that way. And Stewart's been, (laughs) she's been in the press lately, making the rounds for the movie speaking that truth god she makes for a great great interview and you know a lot was made when she said that she's only been in like five good movies which i just thought was a hilarious thing for a major movie star to say i just god i love her but that did get me to thinking what movies was she talking about and then moreover what would my five favorite roles of hers be so going into spencer i did come up with a list of top five case stew here but Obviously, Spencer is going to be number one now, but, you know, if you only know Kristen Stewart from Twilight, there is a lot of gold here, and like Certain Women, for instance, that's Kelly Reichardt's film from 2016, Stewart is in a third of the movie, but she's so still and real and responsive to the slow pace of that film that's a director who chooses the pacing of her movie very very intentionally and it's really cool to see Stewart on board with that now go to the complete opposite happiest season which premiered on hulu last holiday season oh god the movie was just a delight Stewart is so damn great in this she's so full of life and modern and contemporary loved her in that Something a little darker, a little more on the silent side, is Camp X-Ray. Here, Stewart plays a guard at Guantanamo Bay. This was actually, I think this came out in like 2014. This was the first thing I saw her in, and I went, hmm, there's, there's more here than Twilight. She's, she's better than the movie. She's better than Camp X-Ray, but it's still a solid performance. And then we're going to round out with this amazing one-two punch of a star and director working together. First up is Clouds of Sills Maria, and I don't even, oh my god, I don't even know how to describe this movie, or how good Juliette Binoche and Kristen Stewart are in it together. Binoche plays a famous actress, and Stewart is her assistant. It's far more emotionally complex than that, but there's so much to unpack in Stewart's performance. I love this movie. This is a really trippy, mesmerizing movie that's hard to classify. And even more so, perhaps, we're led right to Personal Shopper. That's a movie Kristen Stewart and Olivier Isaias made two years after Clouds of Sils Maria. And it's a simple, bizarre thriller. It's a patient movie, but Stewart is, 
There's so many memorable sequences from this movie when she doesn't say a word and she carries all of it. And God, does this have a great, great ending. So until a few weeks ago, this was definitely my favorite Stewart performance. But now, again, of course, it's Spencer. Her next movie is the next David Cronenberg film, which I cannot. Oh, my God. I can't wait for that. I think they were born to work together. That's it for Spencer. This thing is still in theaters. But most surprisingly, and I guess most conveniently, it is already available to stream. Fork out some dough and you can watch it at home. It's honestly, it's been really fun texting with a few of my friends who have seen this one at home. You know, it's not as easy for them to get to the theater as it is for me. So it's cool that you can watch this one at home right now, which I highly recommend. And if you do, please let us know. We're on Twitter at W-A-Y-W underscore podcast. I would love to hear what people think of this, honestly. But as always, thanks for listening and happy watching. Hey everyone, thanks again for listening. You can watch my films and read my movie blog at alexwithrow.com. NicholasDostal.com is where you can find all of Nick's film work. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at whatareyouwatchingpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, you can find us on Twitter at W-A-Y-W underscore podcast. Next time, we're going to talk about our favorite movies of 2011, one of the best single years of movies since we've been alive. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.